What if you heard the words, we urge you to learn Braille, train with a white cane, and you better learn to cook blindfolded. I'm Sharon Betters, host of this Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. On today's podcast, titled, And Then the Darkness Came, Melissa Weissenfels, Executive Director of Mark Inc., and I have the privilege of talking to Edith Yoder. Edith heard these warnings from doctors and a rehab team. In this conversation, we will hear how the possibility of total blindness struck fear into Edith's heart as she realized her normal life was about to crumble. Though you may never face the possibility of blindness, Edith's journey will encourage you to realize that no matter how dark the days, there is light along the way. Edith, welcome. It's a privilege to be with you. Well, I've heard your story and it's very compelling to think about you as a child and then your teen years and then now as a young adult, as an older adult. But why don't you tell our audience, start when you were a little girl, take us back to that time um, of your childhood. I was born in Western Maryland and I was child number six in a family of eight children. I have three brothers and four sisters. I was born with poor vision, which was unknown at the time. My mom has often told me that I had more tumbles and falls than my seven siblings put together. She said I would be standing on a chair beside her as she worked in the kitchen and then literally step off the chair into midair. They thought I was just really, really clumsy. So it wasn't until I was two years old and my family realized I couldn't see well when I would press my nose on the paper trying to follow the pencil lines when I wanted to write with my older siblings. And though my vision continued to get worse till I was in my teens, my very strong corrective lenses helped me to live a relatively normal childhood. Looking back, I realized that even as a child, I had to learn to adapt to where my vision was, which I believe has made it less difficult to learn to cope over the years. I think back to my early school days and I was never able to read the chalkboard from even a front row desk. So for my earliest memories, trips to the eye doctor were part of my normal life. Edith, can you tell us a little bit about how things shifted, as you mentioned, in your teen years? What were those years like? How were you treated by other students? What were their reactions? And from a learning perspective, it sounds like there must have been um, additional challenges there that would have been really hard to cope with. Can you tell us a little bit about that? In a sense, my teen years were very comfortable, very predictable to a certain extent. I lived on a dairy farm with my family. And so a lot of my teen years were actually spent on the farm. And I really did enjoy my youth group that I was with. And I did feel very accepted, though there were times that I was ridiculed. I was, I was called names and that was really hard, but I felt like God gave me a lot of grace with that. And he put people in my life to sort of cover that gap. Other people that just were amazing and accepting me. And that was really huge. I had also accepted Christ as my savior in my early teens. And I, I am so thankful for not only my Christian upbringing, but also for the Christian community and church as a whole, which I believe gave me a strong spiritual foundation early on in my life. As a young adult, 
uh, you've shared with me that your eyesight started deteriorating. Um, tell us what happened. This was around 1997, I believe. I had an appointment just for a routine eye exam. And that day, when the, the optometrist covered my right eye to check the vision in my left eye, I was seeing double. And it was a really, really cloudy double. He immediately had scheduled an appointment with a specialist, and that began a flurry of tests of scans and even more appointments. And at first, they suspected a possible tumor behind my eye. But thankfully, all those tests came back negative. So it became obvious that the problem was in the eye itself. They did find excess fluid in my left eye, which was affecting the retina. And so I was scheduled for surgery to hopefully correct the problem. But Unfortunately, the surgery was unsuccessful, and I was left with total vision loss in my left eye. That, I can't even imagine what that must have been like for you. Um, did they give you a diagnosis? Not at that point. My doctor basically told me that there was nothing more that could be done, and he didn't give me any other options. So I, on my own, contacted the Wilmer Eye Institute at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore, Maryland, for a second opinion which looking back, I realize now I should have done that in the first place. Mm. I was very naive at the time. And since my doctor had not recommended a second opinion, I don't think it even occurred to me that it would be advisable. But it was there at Wilmer that I was diagnosed rather quickly with an eye disease, which we now know that I had been born with, mm. that is called nanophthalmus, which... Basically, the, the definition of that is the dwarf eye or a very small eye. It's a rare potentially blinding disorder that affects the eye growth and eye function. Secondary complications from the disease include glaucoma and detached retina, which is what happened in my left eye. You um, had a dream of being involved in medicine as an adult, uh, tell us about that and tell us how your diagnosis changed that, that dream. Yes. With the diagnosis came the realization that the same thing could potentially happen to my right eye as well. My doctors at Wilmer also did two more surgeries on my blind eye, which were partially experimental, but they were also to try to keep my eye as healthy as possible. Since I couldn't be blinder than blind, mm. I wasn't at all hesitant in allowing them to do those surgeries if it would possibly provide help or a solution to save the vision in my good eye or if it would help someone else. I continued having routine appointments at Wilmer to monitor my eye condition, but I never really allowed myself to dwell on those what ifs. My vision was never good enough for me to get my driver's license, and by this time, I was living on my own. As you mentioned, Sharon, as I shared with you before, even as a little girl, it was my dream to one day work in the nursing field. Knowing it would be very difficult to get a degree in nursing because of the vision challenges I was already dealing with, I took classes to become a certified nursing assistant, and I was hired by a home care agency. So finally, I was doing what I had always dreamed of, and I absolutely loved my job and my patients. It was so fulfilling, 
And I thought this was what I would do for years and years to come. So it sounds like you were able to fulfill your dream of getting involved in nursing, but your eyesight, um, from my understanding, continued to deteriorate even further. So tell us what happened in 2010 that really drastically changed your life. As my doctors had continued to work with the glaucoma in my blind eye, I was experiencing almost constant, really severe headaches because of the uncontrollable high pressure. My doctors wanted to do surgery to remove my blind eye, but it really took a while for me to accept that. And it probably doesn't make any sense, but even though I had been blind in my left eye for more than 10 years at this point, it was hard, really hard to let go of that part of me. But finally, in 2010, I was just done, done with the headaches, and we scheduled surgery. It was one of the best decisions that I have made with my eye care. After several weeks of recovery, I was amazed that my headaches indeed were gone. And other than needing to take a two-month leave from work after that surgery, I continued my job with Tender Loving Home Care. But something that I was not prepared for, something I had not expected, was very shortly after that surgery was the onset of secondary complications from my eye disease in my right eye, which was now my only eye. My doctors at Wilmore are some of the best in the world, and they immediately began to work on trying to keep my vision as stabilized as possible with a host of medications. When I think back to that time, I see God's guidance, His goodness, and His love so much in allowing me to first recover from my eye enucleation before we had to deal with the complications in my good eye, and I am so grateful for that. So I'm listening to uh, all of the different things that you went through, Edith, with uh, one crisis after another, and yet you just shared how, as you look back, you can see God's graciousness and his, his personal preparation in that really dark period of your life. And I, it reminds me of how important it is for us to sometimes just take uh, the time to regroup and to review those places where at the time we may not have realized God's presence. But when we look back, we can see how he was moving things and moving us in a direction that though it didn't seem better at the time, really was better. And and I appreciate you saying that. So now though, it's 2012 and something happened to your right eye that would forever change your life. What was that? I was enjoying the wonderful, comfortable, normal that I had found after that surgery in 2010. And I was doing very well with the meds, I thought, that were stabilizing my vision. And I had for six years worked my dream job. One day in July of 2012, God began leading me on a different journey. It was one I didn't sign up for, a path I never would have imagined. I don't think I will ever forget that morning. I was at work feeding my patient her breakfast when I realized there was something wrong, something really wrong. I was not able to clearly see where her mouth was to feed her. At first, I tried to ignore it and just tell myself it was nothing. This wouldn't be happening. But when I called my doctor at the Wilmer Eye Institute, they wanted to see me immediately as soon as possible. 
And that was a little bit unsettling. I called my boss and they, of course, found someone to come take my shift. But I expected to be back within a few days. But when I left work that day, I had no idea that the door on that chapter of my life was closing behind me. That dream job, caring for the patients that I had grown to know and love, my last day with Tender Loving Home Care had just ended. From previous routine visits to the Wilmer Eye Institute, I knew that my retina was partially detached. There was excessive fluid in my eye, swelling in the retina, and I also had glaucoma, all of which my doctors had been able to somewhat stabilize with medications. But now, the meds that I needed for stability were causing a cataract to grow very rapidly. My doctors were very honest with me as they explained this difficult situation. Because of the overall eye issues, doing cataract surgery, which is normally a rather simple procedure, but just doing that cataract surgery could cause blindness. To change my meds could do irreversible damage and cause my retina to totally detach, resulting in blindness. Eventually, without surgery, the cataract would cause me to be blind. So we were literally between a rock and a very hard place. There was no easy answer. I relied heavily on the opinion of my doctors, and we agreed with their decision to wait to do cataract surgery, allowing me as much time as possible to use the vision I had just in case the surgery would not be successful. I didn't want to think about it, but I couldn't get away from what was happening. My only escape was when I went to bed at night and there in the dark, life seemed almost normal. I could try to imagine that it wasn't reality. I wanted to wake up from this really bad dream, but it didn't go away. The reality was I was losing my vision and there was absolutely nothing physically that I could do about it. So as you said, it was, you were literally between a rock and a hard place. And although over all these years, you'd been battling your vision impairment and meeting with doctors and hearing about different methods to take, uh, surgeries to have. This one was really difficult as you were facing the possibility of losing all of your sight and living, as you said, at nighttime in darkness all the time. So at what point or was there a point during those discussions at nighttime, thinking about being in the darkness, did fear ever overtake the peace that you had that you had been experiencing with knowing that God was guiding you and making different paths for you to move forward. Was there a point where fear really kind of stepped in? There absolutely was. And over the next five months, my vision steadily did get worse. I tried really hard to remain optimistic. I tried so hard to be brave. I was still living alone and I wanted to maintain my independence as much as I could. But there is a specific day in November of 2012 that stands out as a turning point. It was a day when I had to face those fears and I had to make a choice. It was the day, I believe, when I came to the end of my rope. By that time, which was almost four months into my major vision loss, I was only able to see vague shapes. The colors I saw were different shades of gray. It was a very dismal world and 
possibly even more so in my grieving heart. But that day, something happened that I truly met God and I knew that the sun would shine again. Simple household chores had become very difficult and frustrating. And on that day, I was trying to vacuum my living room carpet, but I kept running into furniture with the sweeper, not able to see where I was going. The sweeper and the furniture collided once too often. It was such a small thing. It was so trivial, but it was the straw that broke the camel's back. I collapsed on the floor, just sobbing and sobbing uncontrollably, hardly knowing how to pray, nor even having the strength to pray. I don't know how long I might have stayed there, maybe a couple hours, but eventually I had no tears left and I was exhausted. I remember telling God that I cannot go on like this. I was terrified. The darkness of blindness was gradually overtaking me, and it felt like the world was literally closing in around me. I didn't have the strength to keep fighting. I was desperate. I felt trapped. And though I didn't hear God's audible voice that day, it was as though I heard him say in that quietness of my soul, just let it go. Let it go and give it all to me. And I think that's when I started realizing that in not wanting to face the reality of what was happening, I had been trying to ignore the deep emotions that were building up inside. I was trying to be perhaps too brave. And in a sense, I was running from the truth because the truth, that reality was so painful. But I continued to just sense God's gentle pleading, just let it go. Again, the tears began to flow, but this time it was in surrender. I remember telling God that I know these aren't my eyes. As my creator, they belong to him. And whatever the outcome of the surgery, I am choosing to trust him. I did let go that day and I asked God to forgive me for holding on to something that wasn't mine. And I allowed God to take control of what was rightfully his all along. I'm reminded of the verse in 1 Corinthians 6, 20 that says, for you are bought with a price. And I believe that price was the blood of Jesus Christ. And it says to therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And though I had been a Christian for many years, I realized that I had not come to that place of total, total brokenness and surrender before. That place that I just gave everything to God. The heaviness, the weight of the burden was just gone. And the peace I felt that day was overwhelming. God did give me a new beginning that day. It didn't mean that my struggles were over. My challenges were far from over. But God's presence and his peace was so real to me in the following weeks leading up to surgery. By December of 2012, I was very nearly blind. And I knew if the surgery isn't a success... I don't have much to lose. It was time to move on, trusting God. So eight days before Christmas, I had my surgery, and God gave me that Christmas miracle. The surgery was a success because of irreversible damage. However, my vision did not fully recover. But even now, my doctors recognize that I could or should, according to the medical view, be blind. So I know that every day that God grants me any physical sight is a miracle. And I don't 
ever want to take that for granted. Wow. Miracles do happen. They still happen, probably more than we know. What a beautiful Christmas gift God gave to you that that day. While you were struggling um, to kind of process what God was doing and, and how you should respond to it, what were some of the things that strengthened you during that time and maybe even helped you get to that point of surrender? I believe that God used many people and resources to minister to me during that time in so many different ways. And I still praise Him for that because some of those ways are still impacting my life today. I listen to a lot of hymns. I also would listen to the Word of God, to the audio Bible. I knew that it was very important for me to fill my mind and my heart with words of God's truth. I was also surrounded by friends and by family and my family in Christ who cared so much, who helped me and they hurt with me. They prayed with me and they cried with me. But I think of simple things that really touched me during that time, things that simply made me smile, that made my day feel normal. I had planted a garden prior to the beginning of this major vision loss and It was very difficult for me, even by late summer, to pick the vegetables. I was not able to see if they were ripe. But my neighbor's three-year-old son would delightedly go to the garden with me and show me which of the tomatoes were red, which of the vegetables were ready to pick. That was really special. I think of one morning that one of my neighbors called and asked if she could come and share her morning devotional time with me. That was so touching. I was not able to read practically anything at this point. And so I was very dependent on on hearing, on being encouraged by what I hear. Also, another thing that comes to my mind is my younger brother. He lived only a short distance away and he would often stop by for coffee and just to chat. We didn't discuss what was going on with my vision unless I felt like it. And he just made my day normal. And that was, that was really what I needed. But another one of those ways that impacted me greatly then and still is encouraging me so much today was through the Moment of Inspiration, which is a daily devotional that was posted by Light of the World Ministries out of St. Louis, Missouri. They posted a daily devotional every day. And someone had shared that number with me during this vision loss. It became a lifeline for me at that time when I could read practically nothing. I would call in to listen to it. And often I would cling to a particular scripture that was used in that day's devotional. Many times it felt as though God had designed the message for my specific needs for that day. Two often repeated themes that were so convicting was the encouragement to trust God, and to have an attitude of gratitude, both of which I was obviously struggling with. So I am very grateful for the variety of ways that God used to encourage me during that time. Wow, it just sounds like you have such a great group of people and community around you, which I think all of us can say is one of the most important things in our lives, especially when we're going through trials and struggles. And you also sound like you've had a a great intimacy with the Lord and people who spoke a lot of truth to you and the staying in the word, staying in touch with the hymns, keeping his presence in front of you at all times was 
at the foundation of your ability to continue to move forward. At the same time, I want to go back a little bit and talk to you because you talked about that breaking point when your heart was grieving. And a lot of people, I think, would experience or be able to relate to that same feeling. Um, loss can be more than just the loss of a person. You know, you were losing the loss of your vision. And many people face that grief over the loss of a number of things. And there is that period where you need to acknowledge those feelings and, and the let go of the control and acknowledge the grief and, and let it go and surrender it to God. So Edith, you've already experienced many miracles through this very difficult journey, but in 2014, you were faced with yet another big decision. Can you tell us a little bit about what it was and how did you continue to be independent My doctors had continued to work on keeping my vision as stabilized as possible, but in the fall of 2014, it was declining more quickly again. And at that point, my doctors felt that prompt surgery was needed to hopefully prevent further vision loss. Again, this surgery held a lot of risks, but without it, my vision was expected to continue to decline, resulting in permanent vision loss. I was praying for wisdom for the team of doctors at Wilmer, and God gave me peace and doing what they felt, again, was the best option. So in October of 2014, I had my second surgery on my right eye, and again, God blessed me with a miracle. I was now left legally blind, but I was still able to see. And obviously, I was now facing more challenges as well in daily activities. So I was referred to a low vision doctor who is also at the Wilmer Eye Institute. I had learned to cope with my vision at the level to which it had declined, but my visits with this doctor opened so many doors for me. She also connected me with a rehabilitation team and several of my instructors being vision impaired themselves really helped me to mentally sort through the things that had become very difficult and be creative in finding new ways to accomplish the tasks that I needed to do. They introduced me to many household tips, to various tools and gadgets that have really made my home safer and my daily tasks easier. We had a variety of different home sessions, home visits. And in some of those home visits, I was asked to prepare meals blindfolded. I really argued at first. I was not impressed with that assignment, but I eventually agreed to take the challenge, just knowing that it was in my best interest to do so. The goal was to build confidence that whether I have low vision or no vision, with God's help, I can do this. One of the tools that has made a huge, huge difference in my life is my desktop magnifier. It has enabled me to take care of most of my own correspondence, which is such a blessing. I also have an iPad, which I use for my Bible and for taking notes, and that has been a tremendous help. I think one of my biggest struggles with the rehabilitation was learning to use a cane. I wanted people to still see me as normal, and it seemed that using a cane would indicate otherwise. My instructors continued to encourage me to see the cane as a blessing instead of an embarrassment. 
and it has now become a constant companion. Since I have received mobility instruction, I have found renewed freedom in knowing that I can continue to do things I have in the past. I can go places I need to go safely and with more confidence. And I even love traveling alone by train and by plane. More recently, I did receive Braille instruction. I pray that I will never need to rely only on Braille, but I will continue to practice it so I can learn to read and write it more fluently. And it has really become exciting and motivating for me to learn it as a means of reaching out to those who do need to rely on it and to encourage others who are also on this journey. Edith, I know you've, you work very hard to be independent. How do you spend your days now? Something that God has really challenged me with since my vision loss is to bloom where I'm planted. He's been teaching me that it's not as important what I do as it is just being willing to do what I can with the ability that he's given me. The tasks that he has set before me that he knows will bring him more glory. I often think of the verse in Colossians 3.23 that tells us that whatever we do, we should do it as unto the Lord and not unto men. So I'm learning to rely on God to be my day planner, and I don't have any lack of opportunities. Presently, I am involved in ministry opportunities and doing volunteer work. So I could say, in short, that I am employed by God. But almost two years ago, God amazingly opened the door for me to be a spiritual encourager at a local nursing and rehab center. I go in twice a week, and I have been so richly blessed by these precious, precious people. The residents had requested a Bible study, so we do that on a weekly basis. I do a lot of group time, but also one-on-one visits with the residents. I have been so privileged to pray with residents as they have accepted Christ. I have sat by the bedside, reading the Bible, singing and praying with those who were dying and just holding their hand. I have wept and prayed with their families when they have said goodbye. So in a sense, I really feel like God has given me back a piece of my dream. But this time, it is to care for the spiritual needs instead of the physical. And I just think of this quote that has really ministered to me when God orchestrates something, he truly does it in a beautiful, beautiful way. I am also involved in two different Bible study groups who meet in my home. My doors are always open for friends to stop by for coffee and a chat. God has just been wonderfully teaching me that people are not an intrusion in my day. People are the purpose. I'm very blessed to live close to many of my friends and family and As my schedule allows, I help them with various projects. I'm convinced that when we tell God we want to be available to serve and to love his people, he will give us many opportunities to make a difference. Within the past year, I have been asked a number of times to share my story and testimony at women's retreats and other events, which has added some traveling to my schedule. While These speaking engagements have really been a stretch for me. It was not something I was expecting. It also reminds me that God is so full of surprises. But we really should count it a privilege when God gives us those opportunities to share what He has done in our lives, to encourage others, and also to give glory to God. Something that I often pray for is to have eyes to see people as Jesus does. He sees their hearts 
maybe it's because I have seen so many deaths during my nursing home ministry, but I'm often reminded that everyone I meet is precious in Jesus' eyes, and everyone that I meet is headed for eternity. Am I willing to know Christ better and to make him better known in the opportunities that he gives me? I pray that I would never waste an opportunity because it may be gone tomorrow. How were you able to keep that intimacy with the Lord so close to your heart with such sadness and challenge and letting go of those controls and the changes in your life without falling into anger? There were a number of things that God really, really used to speak to me that really drew me closer to him. One of my favorite promises that God really revealed to me during that time was from Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. God revealed himself to me as such a faithful God. In a world where there are so many changes, God does not change. And that was so comforting to me. I felt his presence very keenly and really sensed his strength carrying me during the really, really rough spots. I know that we all have something that we are dealing with or have dealt with, whether it's a trial or an illness or a burden, or as we mentioned earlier, a loss. We all end up with stuff that we didn't sign up for. But one thing that God really impressed upon me was though I didn't get to choose what trials or challenges I was given, I do have a choice in my response to them and what was my response going to be. There were three different things that I really tried to focus on. Those were to trust God and to still praise Him in the midst of the hard things and to really live in the joy of the Lord, to live that with that sense of having an attitude of gratitude. And before my major vision loss, and, and I didn't think of this until sometime afterwards, but before my, my major vision loss in 2012, I had been praying for a deeper relationship with God. I wanted a closer walk with Him, but I think I wanted it pain-free. I wanted it without the cost of discomfort and inconvenience, without the tears and the struggles. But how often are those the very things that God uses to draw us closer to Him? While it is true that much of my story has been born out of struggles and trials, I believe that God has given me a deeper spiritual vision and spiritual healing through this journey. And now I would never trade the blessings, the opportunities, the intimate relationship that I have found with Christ through this journey. I would not trade that for 2020 vision. I know that God could still give me complete physical vision if that is his will, but I am also confident that we serve a God who is faithful, a God who makes no mistakes. And if he will receive more glory through this thorny gift of my vision challenges, then he will also use it for my good. I have come to understand that not all gifts come in beautiful wrappings, lovely ribbons, and pretty bows. And as I reflect on the past seven years, going back to the time when it seemed that my dreams were crushed beyond repair, when it felt as though my world was totally falling apart, God took those broken pieces and from them, 
He has crafted a life that I never would have imagined, but a life so filled with blessings, so rich with memories and joys that I may never have known if my life would have remained normal. God has given me so many unique and amazing opportunities to serve Him, to share Christ, and to share my faith in Him that I may never have experienced were it not for those thorns, those blessings in disguise. Over and over, I have seen God do, as we read in Ephesians 3.20, exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. And though I have needed to go back to that altar of surrender many, many times, and even now, I still have times of wondering when or if my vision will stabilize, wondering what is ahead. I have many questions without answers. But somehow, when I look at this all in the light of eternity, that's not so important because I know that my God is faithful and I know that he will continue to give me strength one day or one step at a time. Edith, you are so right in sharing that God's promises don't change and how important that is and trusting in, in his faithfulness. So can I ask you to think as though you're, you're sitting across from someone um, right now and speak to that one person who's experiencing life, a life-altering physical change, or maybe just a life-altering change, but, but someone who's in a similar situation who's struggling, what hope can you offer? I believe the best way that I could answer that, the best way that I could offer encouragement and hope is through a personal experience that is very close to my heart. One of the very amazing gifts that God had brought to me through my vision loss was the privilege of spending many, many days with a friend who was battling cancer. She was confined to a power chair during the time that I would go in to help her. She was my eyes and I was her hands and feet. After a 13-year battle with cancer, she went to be with Jesus in December of 2016. But one day, just several weeks before she passed away, she was in so much pain. The cancer at this point had spread throughout her body and also to her brain, and it had left her with no control of half of her face. It was hard for her to speak clearly. She struggled to swallow, yet she never complained. I could not hold back my tears as I saw her suffer that morning. And through my tears, I told her, I just wish I could take some of the pain for her. With the best half smile that she could muster, she said, Edith, I can do this. I'm going to heaven. And when we know we are going to heaven, we can suffer for a little while here. I think too of Jesus on the cross and nothing, absolutely nothing we will ever go through in our earthly trials will even come close to what he suffered for my sins, for all of our sins because of his love. So to that person who is needing hope, to that person who is struggling, I would like to say whatever you're facing, whatever you're up against, I believe in the strength of the Lord. You can do this. If we know we're going to heaven, we can endure suffering for a little while here because heaven will be worth it all. My name is Sharon Batters, and you have been listening to a Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. We know our conversation with Edith Yoder has given many listeners encouragement to trust God in their own dark places. Visit markinc.org where you will find the link to the audio devotional that Edith mentioned 
as well as many free resources and stories like the one you have just heard. Each one is designed to offer help and hope in some of the most difficult of life crises. We can offer these resources for free because of the many people who support Mark Inc. Ministries. They share in our vision to offer help and hope. If you have been encouraged by Edith's story, would you prayerfully consider donating at markinc.org and help us continue to produce resources designed to help turn hearts toward Jesus. Thank you for listening.